When Professor Salerno uh, asked me to speak about Murray Rothbard's Great Depression, it came as a treat as one of my favorite economic history books. And I have to admit to you that one of the reasons it's my favorite is not just the ideas which uh, of course, most important of all, but also the literary style. And um, one shouldn't minimize the importance of literary style um, when one looks at the great opposition, including Keynes as a, as a journalist. And I just quote um, the second last um, paragraph, which was read to me recently by Alex Pollock, um, to, to demonstrate this. Mr. Hoover and the challenge of the Great Depression met the challenge of the Great Depression by acting quickly and decisively, putting into effect the greatest program of offense and defense against depression ever attempted in America. President Hoover was a bold and ambitious leader in this awakening. By every progressive tenet of the day, he should have ended his term as a conquering hero. Instead, he left America in utter and complete ruin, a ruin unprecedented in length and intensity. And I think that passage meets anything in terms of journalistic style one can find in Keynes. But maybe the passage should be um, uh, qualified to some extent that in all fairness, Rothbard should have taken aim at Hoover's predecessor um, and especially his central banker um, in that same passage. But of course, that thought is made up a hundred times in the, in the book um, where the central banker um, is very much part of the story. Um, I found when I was invited by... Um, Professor Salerno to, to talk on this panel, maybe by Proustian reflex, I opened up not Rothbard's book, but um, the book um, Milton Friedman's um, monetary, and Anna Schwartz's Monetary History of the United States. And the book opened on a page um, where the subtitle is The High Tide of the Federal Reserve, 1921 to 29. And as Patrick Newman uh, mentioned in an earlier session today, um, you have to ask how come the Milton Friedman and Anna Schwartz call this period the high tide of the Federal Reserve at the same time as Rothbard describes it as an episode of deep monetary chaos. Um, of course, Rothbard is not the only great economist to take the opposite view to Friedman and Schwartz. And as we've heard this morning, um, one can find a lot, much of the same viewpoint in Hayek and Lionel Robbins. But um, the idea that um, the Benjamin Strong fed by pursuing price level stability in the midst of a technological revolution when prices should have been falling um, fueled a tremendous credit inflation and asset price inflation. But Rothbard adds some crucial links um, to the chain of argument against the Benjamin Strong Fed and ultimately against the thesis of Friedman and Schwartz. And le let's, for dramatic effect, call these links um, indictments against the Benjamin Strong Fed. And I list here three or four indictments which um, he makes, in fact, four in total. Um, first, um, Rothbard draws attention to the rampant interest rate manipulation by the Benjamin Strong Fed. Um, remember in the pre-1913 US monetary system, essentially a gold system, there was no fixing of short-term interest rates. 
CVs fluctuated typically between 0 and 100% per annum overnight. So in effect, the short-term interest rates had no bearing on long-term interest rates. Long-term rates had an existence largely separate from those what was happening in the day-to-day money market, and they could be influenced and determined largely by decentralized information gathering. As soon as you move to a system, which we, the United States did in the, uh, in the early 1920s, of the Fed pegging the short-term interest rate and influencing expectations as to where these interest rates are going to go, we move into a world where no longer long-term rates have that independent existence and are become subject to considerable manipulation. And um, uh, Rothbard details, and I, and, I, and I wasn't actually aware of this so much in my first reads, but um, clearly the, the, the two manipulations, um, two sources of manipulation that he, he mentions, uh, one from the White House um, at various points trying to get the Fed to keep interest rates down, and also from um, the father, one of the fathers of the Federal Reserve System, Paul Warburg, who he um, claims um, was very interested in keeping the rate low for reasons of business interest, of um, keeping rates low on German credits and his business in- interest at the time of um, uh, financial um, tran- transactions and marketing of, of German um, commercial bills in the middle of the German credit boom. And I come back to that um, later. The second um, indictment um, which Rothbard makes of Benjamin um, Strong, we've, we've sort of covered already to some extent today, although I and, and Professor Salerno in particular in discussing the wider monetary aggregates. But I would also mention here the, the behavior of the monetary base, which um, Rothbard goes into fairly extensively and demonstrates that if you allow for the um, movement of deposits away from site deposits to time deposits on which reserves were lower, then in fact the underlying growth in, ex, in, in reserves over monetary base was way higher than what you would expect um, for a stable, um, very long-term um, mon- monetary stability. And uh, the second point related to this in, indictment is that um, in, in, a, in the pre-1914 system or a, or a monetary-based system, the growth of monetary base would have been very stable, X percent per annum or whatever, month by month. But the Benjamin Strong Fed was, um, by, by coming in and trying to stabilize short-term interest rates, actually led to considerable fluctuations in, in, in monetary base. So it wasn't just the fact that the monetary base growth was too fast but also that it was allowed to fluctuate too much, and that was part of the interest rate manipulation. Um, the third um, I'd, indictment on Benjamin Strong is in his professionalism. Um, in Friedman and Schwartz, um, Benjamin Strong is projected as the hero if he hadn't died in late 1928, could have prevented the severe recession and depression. But in Rothbard, there's no such mistaken identity. In Rothbard, you find... Benjamin Strong presented as the Morgan lieutenant who during World War I steered the Fed into discounting munitions bills issued by the Entente powers against the efforts of Warburg and in the interest of J.P. Morgan. 
He's the Anglophile who allows himself to be swayed by the Bank of England chief in 1927 and earlier into cutting rates in the middle of a credit boom. And if he'd actually been concerned about the stability of a global economy, he should have been much more concerned about the credit boom which was taking place in Germany and should have been raising interest rates, not cutting them. And um, that comes on to my indictment number four, um, which, which, um, which is in this book of Benjamin Strong. And that is ultimately the role which the Benjamin Strong Fed played in the German credit boom and bust, which ultimately brought about the downfall of the Weimar Republic and was one of the principal, if not biggest, factors in the, in the Great Depression. Rothbard shows directly how Fed rate manipulation was practiced, as I mentioned earlier, to boost lending to Germany and business related to that trade. And um, Rothbard's not the only historian to make much of this German storyline. You'll find it prominently in Kindleberg's World in Depression. But the unique contribution and indictment here made by Rothbard is his key connection, not found in Kindleberger, between Fed made monetary disequilibrium and the German story. And I think it's very difficult today to, to exaggerate the importance of that German story. I mean, Germany in the 1920s had become the second largest economy in the world again. And as a result of the um, credit bubble rolling over from the United States to Germany, and German, the German credit bubble, in fact, was one of the biggest aspects of the U.S. credit bubble, um, and the subsequent bursting, um, we weren't talking about Greece going into bankruptcy. Um, we were talking about the second largest economy in the world going into bankruptcy as a result of the monetary manipulations and the, and the credit bubble which happened at that time in, in, in the United States. Um, in, modern, in, in modern India, we would have talked about Germany as being part of a dollar zone. Uh, as from 1924, the Reichmark had become fixed against the dollar. And um, as such, interest rates in the United States, if it had been free from manipulation, should have reflected um, that boom. Um, much of this wisdom, of course, could only be gained way after the event, but I, I do regard in rereading Rothbard that this focus on Germany um, is an absolutely key part of the story he made and certainly one which has influenced me tremendously in, in my thinking. Thank you.